Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe all warmed up, ready to go in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Man, we got a lot to talk about tonight, including some breaking news that just happened. And uh, give us a call, 682-1430, if you want to join in. And you can reach us technologically, if you're so inclined, at ozone at hallradio.net. That's ozone at hallradio.net. We just received word that Florida State has reached a negotiated settlement on some penalties from the NCAA for impermissible contact that was facilitated by an assistant coach their offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, with a booster. They tried to get a player from Georgia. The player did not come to Florida State. And Coach Joe, what kind of penalties could they be facing? Actually, they've already decided the penalties, haven't they? Oh, yeah. And uh, this is a huge surprise. And today when we thought we had been surprised out over what's been going on just since yesterday. And what a time to be able to do a show like this, 682-1430. you got to join us tonight, if ever. There's so much to talk about. But especially, uh, right, right. I mean, we were just talking about other stuff, what we were going to discuss on the show. And then this pops up. Literally just a couple of minutes ago, so uh, for, forgive us if we're trying to, to catch up to make sure you get all the updates on, on these uh, penalties that are going to be levied against FSU as a result of impermissible contacts and some other violations of NIL rules, including impermissible contact with a booster by offensive coordinator Alex Atkins at FSU. Uh, the expected penalties are going to include a, a two-year show cause against Atkins, uh, three-game suspension for him. And uh, uh, the school, the FSU has to disassociate themselves with the NIL collective representative at FSU for a term of three years and disassociate completely from the NIL collective for one year as well. And that means the FSU cannot accept assistance from the collective, and the collective cannot contribute to the athletic program in any way, this particular collective. So there's two years probation they're looking at, scholarship reductions of 5% over the next two academic years, a reduction by seven in official visits for 2023 and 2024, a prohibition on recruiting communication for six weeks over the next two academic years, including this upcoming uh, January 12th through 18th, window for contact, a prohibition on communication with athletes in the transfer portal from April 15 to April 21st. I'm not done yet, guys. A reduction (laughs) by 18 evaluation days this spring and a financial penalty of 1% of the athletic department's budget. Um, All of this is coming down, as Ronnie said, it appears to be a negotiated agreement for penalties for FSU violations that date back to 2022 in the transfer portal. Let me remind you, ladies and gentlemen, FSU built this championship level club that we watched this year through the portal. They did not do it through normal recruiting means. Uh, uh, I believe Mike Norvell was ahead of the curve on the portal, maybe a little too far ahead of the curve, as it turns out, maybe cutting some corners along the way. And as a result, FSU got some incredible transfer portal players, and they built the team that they had. Now, what happens when you have a team full of transfer portal players? 
well, when they all just when they're all eliminated from contention for the playoff, they all bolted, and that left uh, FSU down a couple dozen players, and they end up losing by sixty points in the Orange Bowl. Uh, so that didn't bode well for them to begin with. But now with these penalties, with these incredible penalties, I, I'm kind of stunned. Not many things surprise me anymore, but this wasn't on anybody's radar. We were all talking about the coaching situations, which we're going to get into, obviously. Um, and but to, to see these penalties coming up against FSU, it has huge implications, including the potential future of Mike Norvell. Yeah, it really does, and you wonder how that might impact his appeal to Alabama. Well, we'll we'll have to wait and see on that. But um, will it make it more appealing? <laughs> we, we wondered about that. <laughs> if you want to hear some sports, you are in the right place. The Gators are going to host Arkansas in basketball. This Saturday, 4 p.m. tip-off, 3.30 pregame on WONN right down the dial, 12.30 a.m., 107.1 FM. Then on Monday night, yes, Monday night, the Bucks are going to host the Eagles, and that's an 8.15 kickoff, 7 o'clock pregame, and that's a playoff game, Coach Joe. Bucks uh, did win the division. They had an, a win over Carolina, and not a pretty win by any means, but... Uh, let's be optimistic. It showed a really good defense on their part. Uh, surprisingly weak offense by the Bucks on Sunday in Carolina, but they got the job done. Carolina's a very bad team. The Bucks just needed to win. They did. They win the division. That gets them a home playoff game. And they go up against an Eagles team that is limping into the playoffs with Jalen Hurts with a very uh, significant injury to his finger on his throwing hand which uh, we don't know if he's even going to play. Probably will, but that's going to affect him. This is an opportunity for the Bucks that m- most people didn't see coming, but it's an opportunity for real this week. Yeah, you're right. Two teams going in opposite direction. The Bucks have won five of six, while the Eagles have lost four of their last five. And, uh, you know, the Eagles look like, man, they're Super Bowl bound at one point, but uh, you know, just kind of like the Jaguars. So many teams just seem to fall apart there at the end. The Dolphins kind of did that too, didn't they? Yeah, there's a number of teams. Jacksonville is the most surprising collapse. They did not see that coming uh, because they seem to be playing pretty well. The Eagles have been falling off the map the last month. The Dolphins situation was uh, the Baltimore game was more than just a bad loss. They they had significant injuries that that uh, that, that hampered them against Buffalo, and then they got more injuries in the Buffalo game that eventually cost them in what was a close game uh, in Miami the past Sunday night. So the Dolphins are limping into the playoffs as well with more than with uh, more than half of their defensive starters on the injured list and unlikely to play. And having to go to Kansas City now instead of getting a home game, they have to play at Kansas City Saturday night in weather that will be approximately zero degrees with a wind chill that they're saying right now is going to be approximately 30 below. Well, you know, good luck with that. (laughs) When Eric becomes president, you know, now that he's retired, when he becomes president. Hail to the chief. There you go. I want to make sure that these games are on network television, not some outlandish um, pay-per-view kind of deal. I it is on, it is streaming on Peacock only unless you live in Miami or Kansas City. Then you, you then there'll be a, a local affiliate. But, or, but we don't live there, so we got to see it on Peacock and or, we watch it. You can go to the Ale House located at fifty six fifty South Florida Avenue, and they will have the game. Yeah, well, way to check on that, <laughs> uh, Ronnie, because that is a question that I know our listeners would have. Hey, 
will it be available if you don't have Peacock? You go to the alehouse and see it. There you go. That's nice. That's there nice. That might go. be the thing to do then. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. No mm-hmm. doubt about it. So 682-1430, give us a call. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And um, I'll tell you what, when we come back, we got a lot of coaching stuff to talk about. We're just getting started. Oh, right? yeah. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi, this is Cody Lostro, PBR World Champion, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone. Ronnie O and Coach Joe right here in the Ozone. The Ozone is brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors of Lakeland. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Coach Joe has some more details on Florida State's negotiated settlement on their penalties with the NCAA. Well, you know, when it was... uh, discussing earlier about what the penalties were, you saw how, how significant they were, including the two years of probation to FSU. Uh, the uh, What we didn't get into is exactly what what the allegations were and the reason that uh, the penalties were so severe is the NCAA does have some rules regarding NIL. Now, NIL means name, image, and likeness, and it means that players are allowed to make money off of their name, image, and likeness while playing football for a college. It used to be they couldn't. They couldn't use their their names to make any outside income. That Schools are no longer allowed to prevent them from doing that. However, the money that they make cannot be through the school. That's why these collectives have been formed by the boosters, to separate the school's operation and the coaching operations from what players are able to get from boosters and other uh, supporters of the program through NIL. Now, the violations that occurred were by Florida State assistant coach, the offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins. He committed two level two violations, which uh, are pretty serious. Uh, Basically, uh, it included impermissible recruiting activity and facilitating impermissible contact with NIL-related booster. Basically, he's alleged to have driven a prospect and his parents to a meeting with a leading member of the school's NIL collective, Rising Spear. Uh, Rising Spear, uh, on their website, boasts that they represent uh, the interests of about 200 FSU student-athletes. During the meeting, the booster encouraged the prospect to enroll at FSU and offered him an NIL opportunity with the collective worth approximately $15,000 per month during his first year at the school. Our source for all that is from yahoo.com, uh, which is reporting now, this. On was this. a Georgia player. Yeah, they, they, he did not end up, uh, and Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports uh, wrote that, he, he did, ended up not signing with FSU. Uh, so maybe that's what happened is maybe there was some, he became upset or whatever with FSU. That's how those things usually happen. Because if he'd gone to FSU, you probably wouldn't have heard about this. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so that's how these things get out. And so the collective that FSU must disassociate themselves from is the Rising Spear Collective, according to this article. And uh, Atkins is going to be suspended for the first three games of the next year's regular season. And uh, if he's not retained on the FSU staff, apparently he's still part of the FSU staff, there's going to be a two-year show-cause order, which means that if any other school wants to hire him any time within the next two years, they have to go to the NCAA and explain why. <laughs> well, you wonder, all right, if, if Norvell did go to Alabama, then what happens to Atkins um, unless the next coach would hire him as offensive coordinator, which is unlikely 
they usually clean house when they bring the new coach in, then he could be in big trouble. Yeah, he he would be unlikely to get a college job any time in the next couple of years. And that's a good segue, Ronnie, about the fact that Norvell might end up at Alabama. There you go. Because Alabama has a coaching vacancy all of a sudden. Yeah, Nick Saban, undoubtedly the greatest college football coach of all time. And and I know what Bear Bryant did, but, you know, the Bear never had to win an SEC championship game. And some of those <laughs> SEC titles he won, I think they tied for him because – you know, they considered that if Georgia and Alabama tied, then that was an SEC title for both of them. And, uh, you know, back then, Bear Bryant really carried a big stick. And I don't know that he walked softly, but he had a big <laughs> stick. And they didn't play Georgia every year, and they didn't play Florida every year. Of course, Florida wasn't all that great in the 50s. In the 60s, under Ray Graves, they were pretty good and actually beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa in 1963, and Alabama didn't lose in Tuscaloosa again until 1982. So that, that'll kind of tell you how good they were. Of course, that's it's kind of a almost with an asterisk. Well, with an asterisk, because back then the stadium in Tuscaloosa wasn't as big as the one in Birmingham. So they played the big games in Birmingham, so they lost games in Birmingham that you know they didn't count for their home win streak. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah, the the games that were played in Tuscaloosa were generally the easier of their games. Their more, most difficult games, including the Iron Bowl with Auburn, every year would be in Birmingham. But yeah, no, Alabama had a ton of advantages back then, uh, and, and not just in the SEC, but they only had to play six SEC games a year, and uh, uh, again, the competition wasn't as keen. And so, yeah, there was a lot of uh, SEC titles by Alabama back then. I think what Saban was accomplishing in this era over the, his 17 years uh, was uh, very, very much more impressive, especially the six national titles at Alabama. And, and let's not cheat him out of the fact that he was at LSU earlier in the century and won one with them as well. And, yeah, And LSU exactly. in 2003, that was their first national title uh, since the 50s. So he, he he brought them back to life because throughout a lot of the 90s, LSU struggled. Yeah, 19, I think it was 1958 when LSU won that title with the Chinese Bandits. Yeah. And uh, Paul Dietzel was their coach who later went to South Carolina, had been at Army, and uh, they had uh, platoons, and the Chinese Bandits were one of their defensive platoons that they called um, back then. Of course, you couldn't say that today. <laughs> I couldn't name them that, but... Um, it was used in a complimentary manner. Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, it was. Not um, like not like some terms were uh, were which were derogatory. That was actually a compliment for that team. Let's talk about some of the candidates that have been speculated for the Alabama job. Lane Kiffin would be one. He's at Ole Miss. He's forty eight years old. I'd <laughs> love to see that. You know, he's <laughs> he was an assistant at Alabama, but you know, I'm not sure he didn't leave burn a bridge when he left there because Saban <laughs> essentially fired him before the national championship game. So you know Saban really had to be fed up with his antics. And, uh, you know. I, it doesn't look like a natural fit. And if Nick Saban is involved at all in the selection process, then Lane Kiffin's not on the short list. Uh, you, you know, it's interesting. Most of the list that you're going to talk about is, involves other or current head coaches, uh, the only assistant that's been mentioned is Reese, the uh, offensive coordinator yeah. at Alabama. And that's got to be because Saban likes him. That's probably the only reason why he's under consideration. I doubt he would get the job. Yeah, never been a head coach, only eight years 
He's really young, isn't he? Like thirty-one, something like that. I think. Uh, yeah, I he's pretty what... young. I think uh, Alabama's in a position right now where that wouldn't be the way to go. Okay. Uh, it would be an interesting pick, mind <laughs> you. But whoever is going to jump, <clears throat> step into this uh, task, is not going to do as well as Nick Saban. Period. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that, that's pretty and, much. And a given. They're going to be expected to do as well, but they simply won't because it's it's going to be impossible to do as well as him. If if it was easy to do what Nick Saban did. It wouldn't be the great accomplishment that it was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, all right, here's another guy, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Yeah. You know, the, the, I think the bloom is off the rose for Dabo. He played. He was a walk-on wide receiver at Alabama. He's 54 years old, so he's not that old. But you know, the fact that he doesn't embrace NIL and he doesn't embrace the portalette, you know, that's just mm-hmm. one of those things that I don't think Alabama put up with that. He currently is an unpopular pick among Alabama people, especially, I believe the students especially. I think they're actually demonstrating on campus for an anybody but Dabo. (laughs) You know, that's that's what they're chanting, anybody but Dabo. Uh, And for the reasons you mentioned, it is a different game than it was even two or three years ago, which is one of the reasons I think Saban is getting out now. Uh, is being 72 and not, you know, you get to a certain age, the amount of work it takes to be as successful as him is immense. And at some point, it's difficult to do that over and over again. He's a particularly driven person, and he's been able to do it. But I think with the way the game is now, and it ha- and he's always been good about adapting to the state of the game. He went from running in defensive teams to in the you know at the beginning of his tenure at Alabama to by uh, the last few years where he was winning his last few national championships with the best quarterbacks in the country. You know, one after the other, NFL number one picks uh, for several years there from two, 2015 on through his last uh, championship in 2020. But it's a different game now, different more so than ever before because of the NIL and the transfer portal. And uh, it's a completely different set of rules. And he probably reached the point where he thought, you know, if he's ever going to get out now with the game changing the way it is, now would be the best time. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, I read an article, and I had forgotten this, that when they hired Saban, they actually had offered the job – and Rich Rodriguez from West Virginia had accepted the job. <laughs> and then he left them at the altar. Well, and uh, I had forgotten all that. It was 38 days in the interim before they hired Saban. And they said that Mal Moore, who was the athletic director then, went to Saban's house. And Saban wouldn't see him. Saban would not meet with him. But he stayed an extra day. And Terry Saban, Nick's wife, invited him to dinner and he got to address Saban and he sold him on the Alabama job because Wayne Huizenga, the Dolphins owner, wanted to keep Saban. You know, Saban was popular uh, at the time down in South Florida and the Dolphins were showing some signs of promise after his first season coaching there. Uh, the As you recall, Saban had been at Michigan State originally as a head coach in the late 90s and then was hired by LSU, uh, which was considered a step up even though LSU was struggling at the time. And he turned them into a great team, and they won a national title. And so he was a hot commodity, and the Dolphins spent the money to sign him. And uh, I I think that uh, he wasn't the obvious pick for Alabama when they went looking for a coach in 2007. 
I mean, you think about it now, you think, uh, wow, that every how everything fell into place. But at the time, like you were saying, they were looking at hot names like Rich Rodriguez. And yeah. when that didn't work out, then they went looking at Saban. And uh, I don't know what Mal Moore said, but somehow uh, Saban realized that while he might be a good coach at the NFL, he could be a great coach, maybe the greatest in college under the right circumstances. And Alabama is, if you're going to go to college and coach somewhere, that is the, the, the school that offers you everything you need to succeed. And there's nothing like that for sure in the NFL. Well, you know, have you ever been to the Bear Bryant Museum on the campus there? I know, I, I know where it is, and I've been by there, but I haven't gone in and toured it. There's a quote in there, and I can't remember who it was, if it was the president, the first president of Alabama, but he said something to the effect, and I'm paraphrasing, that the state of Alabama doesn't have a whole lot to be proud of. Our football team can be the focus of the pride of the state of Alabama. And that has carried through, and when you see how serious they are about their football, I mean, heck, they don't care who the governor is. Who's the coach of the Crimson Tide? You know, that's that's what is really serious there. Well, another guy that was mentioned is Dan Lanning, and he's already said, I'm staying at Oregon. I think it, he was their top choice. If he, if yeah, he were to put, he would be mine. put truth serum in the Alabama people, they would say that that was their top choice. But, you know, Oregon's got the Nike money with Phil Knight. Phil Knight's pretty old. I don't know what will happen. I would assume that, you know, he'll— He's in his 80s. Yeah, yeah they'll still— Keep that money. I told somebody, they said, why would he be interested in Alabama? I said, well, Phil Knight can make it rain, but he can't stop it from raining, which <laughs> is the climate out there in Oregon. So it could be that Lanning's wife might want to move back to the south yeah. for better weather. But, you know, when it comes to the, Alabama or anybody else, well, maybe Texas A&M or Texas. I don't know. You're not going to buy Oregon's coach if they want to keep him. Oregon's now going to the Big Ten and is a national power. Oregon to Alabama is a lateral move, and there's really no reason for Dan Lanning to make that move to go from being a a heroic figure in Oregon to being not Nick Saban. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly right. That's Coach Not Nick. (laughs) Yeah, you got that right. with With Oregon going to the Big Ten and all the resources they need to be a national power for years to come, it that what didn't make sense for Lanning to go, but it's also made the most sense for Alabama to ask him first. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, you know, another thing, I'm always reminded of that quote from Irk Russell. They hired a football coach, and they said, "Coach, we're behind you, win or tie." <laughs> and Alabama coach fans are no different than any other fan base. When they struggled against South Florida, there were Alabama fans that said, "We got to get rid of Saban. The game has passed him by. He's too old." So. They're not unique. Every fan base is the same way. It's amazing. I was at that game, and who knew at the time the significance it would have in college football, but it definitely was an eye-opener. And uh, who knows if Saban made the decision at that point that that maybe this ought to be his last year. But it's very possible that happened. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, this is the first time that he's gone three years without winning a title since he started at Alabama. Yeah. Well— We're going to go ahead and take a break. Kim Commando's coming up. And when we come back, we'll have some more coaching talk. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. 
The Ozone Tonight brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and we're talking about the Alabama job and some of the candidates that we've seen bandied about. And we might not have the guy that's going to get hired at all on our list, but Kalen DeBoer from Washington, 104 and 12 as a head coach. Now, not all of that is in Division One, but the guy has been done a tremendous job out there at Washington. Now, what what do you think of him as a candidate? Well, I preface this by saying that yeah, I don't, and I don't think you have either of us have any particular inside knowledge as to the what the Alabama operatives are thinking. But the, by by analysis of this is that since Lanning, their first choice isn't going to work out. And he's made the decision, and he's announced it that he's going to stay at Oregon. That DeBoer is the next one in line, and as the Washington head coach, getting the, his team all the way to national championship, showing that he knows what he's doing at a big school, and having a very good temperament as well liked by his players, he's an obvious candidate. But I think uh, the same situation that applied at Oregon applies here in Washington, also on their way to the Big Ten. And my opinion on it is. If DeBoer was going to leave Washington, he might try to go replace Harbaugh at Michigan if Harbaugh goes to the NFL, which could very well happen. And, you know, We thought that would be the big news as far as coaching vacancies, but so far there's been no change on that front. Stay tuned. We might have something to talk about next week. Exactly. And next on the list is Mike Norvell. We've talked about that. And with this situation at FSU, he could leave. He's making $8 million a year at FSU. I'm sure Alabama would pay him 10, maybe 12 to go there. And I don't know if if this stuff would affect him getting hired at Alabama. If they want him, they'd bring him in anyway, I think. Well, Lanning turned down Alabama. Uh, DeBoer might turn them down. Norvell will not turn them down. So it's really, if you hear an announcement of Mike Norvell saying, I want to stay at FSU, and do that means he didn't get offered the job. That's right. You're exactly <laughs> right. You got that figured out. The next on the list is Steve Sarkeesian. And to me, the Alabama job, as good as it is, would be a step down. At Texas, I mean, you're in a state with some of the best high school football talent. You own the state. You've got unlimited resources out there. You've got great facilities. And he's on a high. I mean, he took Texas to the 14 playoff for the first time. So. When this first broke yesterday and you and I were exchanging some messages, I know you mentioned that Sarkeesian seemed to be the leading candidate and may even be the uh, the guy. Uh, I think that he must have made it clear through back channels to them that he wasn't going to leave because you would be hearing more about him at this point. Instead, they focused on Lanning. And also, if you also want good news, if you're a Texas fan— Quinn Ewers announced today that he's coming back for his senior season at Texas. I don't think he does that unless he knows Sarkeesian is sticking around. Well, what does that do to Arch Manning? You know, uh, that's another year, possibly yeah. another year on the bench. I mean, yeah. Ewers was very good, but he was hurt. And I don't know if he was spectacular. He, he was very good. Well, Ewers is a really good quarterback if he's healthy. Uh, and he didn't play badly or anything against Washington. It was a back-and-forth game. Uh, but but Penix was spectacular in that game. Yeah. Michigan's defense made him look a lot more ordinary, but I think uh, he's still a good NFL prospect. I think Ewers, nowadays, 
And this is what Michigan did, by the way. We haven't talked much about Michigan winning the national title, but their strategy, remember we talked about Norvell using the portal to build his team. Michigan and others like that, and Alabama and Georgia do a similar thing. They they recruit the best players they can and then use NIL to keep them from leaving yeah. or transferring or going to uh, the NFL. Uh, that's how Blake Corum was still around, running ragged uh, for running running circles around Washington for Michigan the other night. But Edwards really hurt him more than yeah. Corum did, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't amazing. But Ewers is in that position, you know, for whatever his NFL prospects are, and I don't think they're bad. Uh, but he's not considered one of the top top ones, and he's probably better off, even financially better off, by staying uh, <clears throat> where he is at Texas. And Texas has the kind of resources where. They can make it, and, and good NILs focus on this. Keep the players you have happy so that they don't want to leave. Exactly. And, and that's what's going on there. But you know, one of the things, we talked about Arch Manning. Arch Manning played at a real small school. You know, he's certainly got the pedigree to be great, and, and he's looked pretty good. But, you know, there's a lot of fluff there. There's a lot of PR hype with him because of his name. Now, he might turn out to be a great player, but how long is he? You know, his family—they're—they're they're not people that like to get involved in controversy, and so you wonder what will happen. I don't know that he's going to jump schools, but how long is he going to sit on the bench if yours beats him out? Yeah, well, that goes back to what we were just talking about. You know, if I think if Arch Manning was better than yours, he'd be playing, right? Yeah. So, so yours through experience or whatever. Uh, is is in a better position to lead Texas right now. That doesn't mean Arch Manning's a bad player. It means he's getting time to develop. Now, if he believes or if his family believes that he's uh, not getting the shot that he needs, then there's certainly other schools that will be happy to poach him. But on the other hand, if they're playing the long game and the Mannings, especially you know Grandfather Archie, are, are smart enough to know how to play the long game and to be patient and not to rush things, and uh, you know, for if if this is the best place for him, then and they like Sarkeesian. Another reason is probably Sarkeesian staying. <laughs> then they yeah. might not mind uh, being the backup for another year because again, there's time. And with NIL, maybe we'll see that that day return when players stick around for four and five years like they used to. Could be. And Spurrier pointed that out uh, when they talked about his national title. As he, all those guys who were part of the '96 team were all recruited in '92 and redshirted and, and stuck around. Yeah. The Danny Werfels and and the players like that. And by '96, they were you know a, an ex- excellent team. And um, then we might see that again. Michigan. That's what Michigan did. They kept all their 2019 guys together yeah. all this time. I'll never forget in '92 when Danny Werfel committed to the Gators, and um, I think it was the same day that Reggie Green committed to the Gators. And uh, I was driving down the interstate, and I just happened to be in Gainesville. Back then, you know, you, there were no podcasts or anything. <laughs> so I just happened to be within range of WRUF. And mm-hmm. I'm all by myself screaming and yelling. I was so happy because Werfel had played. His team won the state championship on Florida Field, and he had a 75-yard touchdown run in that game in addition to throwing for quite a bit. And uh, his – his high school coach was um, Jimmy Ray Stevens, and uh, they had won the state championship. Jimmy Ray Stevens was the Gators' uh, offensive line coach in 96 and really did a great job. In fact, we need to get him on. I've got his number. We'll get Jimmy Ray on at some point. Great I definitely guy. would love to hear his thoughts on what's going on in college football today. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no doubt about it.
No doubt about it. Well, the last guy that I have on the list, we've already talked about Reese, Tommy Reese, and I really don't think he's a serious candidate. But the last guy, and I don't think this guy's serious either, I think somebody just needed an extra name, James Franklin. I, it's not a very good fit at Alabama. You know, James Franklin it gets enough criticism at Penn State where they're being fairly successful or they're winning 10 games every year. Uh, you, you know, and and with uh, he go to he goes to Alabama with the type of offense he likes to run, they'll go they'll go nuts. Uh, there's a better chance of Lane Kiffin going to Alabama, and there's almost no chance of that in my opinion because of what what you were talking about earlier. And just for the record, Gator fans, Billy Napier is on the Vegas list. He's like about five thousand to one, <laughs> but he is on the Vegas list. So if you want my hot take of the night, ladies and gentlemen, be ready for my hot take of the night. You got Billy Napier will go to Alabama to replace Nick Saban and the new Gators coach next year, Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's go ahead and take a break. And um, when we come back from the break, we might just have an opportunity to send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House on the south side, and you can go out there, eat and drink what you want, take $30 off the tab. In fact, you might go out there and watch the Dolphins and the Chiefs Saturday night. Yes, because that game that? that game is on Peacock. It's streaming only, so you might need to go to Ale House to see it because uh, Ale House will have it on there for you. Uh, Ronnie has confirmed that, right? Yes, sir. Okay, so there I, you have it. Yes, yes, sir. I got an email today that they will have that game. And, uh, you know, I don't know if everybody's got it or if that's an exclusive there or not, but no, I can tell it's, you it's what is exclusive get... is the great food and service that you get at Ale House. Oh, yeah. So if you if you really want to see that game, and it's going to be, a, I think, a pretty interesting game. could be historical, like the prior Dolphins-Chiefs games have been oh, in the yeah. playoffs. <laughs> it could be historical. So it's definitely worth a look. Uh, two teams, both are good teams. They played earlier this year in Germany. It was a close game. Uh, now they're going to play in a very cold uh, Kansas City Arrowhead Stadium. We'll see how it goes. Oh, man, that's awful. Well, let's go ahead and take a break, and when we come back, um, we're going to have Daryl with us, so you don't want to miss that. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Amanda Garchell, 2013 Junior Citrus Open champion, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean on the Ozone. Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe tonight, brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. All right, before we go to my man, Daryl, we're going to throw out the sports quiz, which he is academically ineligible to answer. But who was the last full-time Alabama football coach before Nick Saban? Was it A, Bear Bryant, B, J.B. Ears Whitworth, or C, Mike Shula? 682-1430 is the number. That's 682-1430. If you haven't won in the last six months, you are eligible to call in and you can answer the sports quiz, and we will send you out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House on the south side, and you can take $30 off your tab after you take advantage of the drink and meal specials they have and watch the 40 strategically located television sets. Daryl, I heard that you've got somebody in mind for the Alabama job. Let's go through the names. Are you ready? All right. I, 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 first of all, I'd like to nominate Billy Napier. <laughs> <laughs> and, and listen, I think he's the perfect choice. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I, he's probably not going to be be getting the job, but uh, he is on the odds makers list. Uh, and uh, I, I kiddingly uh, said that he would take over Alabama and Bill Belichick would move and take over the Gators job to replace <laughs> Napier. <laughs> well, let's go through the history now. Let's see. We went from Bear Bryant to um, Ray Perkins. That's correct. Right? Yeah. And we went from Ray Perkins. Perkins wasn't that bad, though. But Bill still. Curry. Is that right? Yeah. Good. And who was next after Bill Curry? Was it Dennis Franchione? It could have been. That, well, one was Stallings. Was Stallings, Stallings was Stallings. Stallings, who, yeah. who gift-wrapped and gave the Gators an SEC championship by scoring the lead touchdown, leading by five, and he kicked the extra point to make them go up by six to allow the Gators to score a touchdown and win by one. 1994. Nice hey, Daryl, memory. Daryl, <laughs> can we put you on hold for a second? We got a caller who wants to answer the sports quiz. Sure. We'll come right back to you. Okay. All right. We got somebody who wants to answer the sports quiz. Gerald, how you doing tonight? Great. How about you guys? You hungry and thirsty? Always. All right. I like to hear that. Who was the last full-time Alabama coach before Nick Saban? Was it Bear Bryant, J.B. Ears Whitworth, or Mike Shula? Uh, Mike Shula. You're exactly right. Yeah. That's exactly right. He fired Mike Shula in 06 at Alabama. Yeah. And, and uh, you know it's you know where Nick Saban was before he signed with Alabama? Uh, down the road, LSU. Be no, but between LSU and Alabama. Do you remember where he coached? Oh, yeah. He went to uh, the Dolphins. Very good. Right. And before that, he was yep. at Michigan State. So if you'll hang on the line, Gerald, we'll get – Eric will get your information, and we'll send that out to the alehouse, and you can go out there anytime as early as tomorrow at noon. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. All right, let's go back to Daryl. Daryl's got some more candidates for us. Daryl, uh, who else you got for us for the Alabama job? Well, let me see. Um, who else could we? Who else could we stick in that job? Um, well, how Kellen about Chip DeBoer. Kelly? How about Chip Kelly? Would be a good call. Chip there. Kelly. There you go. His personality would not fit well in Alabama. Plus, you know, he likes it being out there at UCLA where, you know, they don't really care that much about football. And uh, I remember one – I can't remember which Alabama coach it was, but one of the Alabama coaches, they got a call in the athletic director's office and said, did you know that the coach's wife is in here in the grocery store and she has no makeup on? I mean, you are living in a fishbowl in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Oh, I got another name. Derek Dooley. Derek Dooley. Yeah. I saw Derek that. Dooley is on staff at Alabama right uh, now. I'm, an betting, I'm betting he's behind Billy Napier, <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, how about Will Muschamp? Will Muschamp. There you Will, go. Will's done his time now. Where is he? He's he's on the Georgia staff. Yeah, he is. He's doing a good job with the jo on Georgia. Doing a great too. job. He needs yeah. to be elevated to a head coach again. Well, he could bring his walk-on quarterback son over there <laughs> to quarterback Alabama. Yeah. Hey, hey Daryl, you know a, a name that has been bandied about, a former Alabama player who's having a lot of success with the Texans in the NFL, D'Amico Ryans. You think you'd leave would somebody leave an NFL head coaching job? that they're successful at to go coach Alabama, other than Nick Saban? <laughs> ask, ask Jim Harbaugh. Ah, ask he, Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, he's gonna, he could take he's over Houston if, the, if Ryan's left, right? He's got, 
<laughs> you know, and, and let's talk about Nick Saban for a minute. Do you realize Alabama just stumbled on him? Yeah. How we, many jobs did he have going into Alabama that he had stayed only two or three years? That was his pattern. He, he, oh, he, Michigan he State, nowhere. LSU, the Dolphins. He was only there two or three years at each stop. We, it, it, no, this is, this is we're going to see a circus in the next five to ten years. It's going to be an absolute circus. But, yeah. anyway, but anyway, I am in contact, and, and the Eric Clark Foundation is putting money into this. I just want to let you know, we, we, have, we have put some money in, and we're going to make sure that Billy Napier gets every chance to interview for that job. Well, if the Eric Clark Foundation is behind it, you know, Jeff Bezos calls Eric for tips on how to invest his money and uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Bezos, you charge too much money. <laughs> it's it, no the the we're, the Eric Clark Foundation is putting every effort into curing this situation in Gainesville, which we now refer to as the dumpster fire. <laughs> I tell you what, that's all we need is the Eric Clark Foundation behind us. We're unstoppable. I, I tell you what. Kudos out to Jamil Cornelius, 15 years at Fort Meade, and did yeah. a great job there. He's a great guy. We've had him on the show before. Yeah, we have. We really enjoy talking to to. And I to would Jamil recommend Cornelius. that for the Alabama AD to call Art Martinez at Lakeland High School, get some advice on how to get how to how to um, find a coach to uh, succeed a legend. I used to play softball with Art. He's a good second baseman. Was he? Well, he's he's kind of short, stumpy guy. Yeah, he was pretty <laughs> but good. He softball pulled player. off a coup at Lakeland High School this year. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yep, there was no question about it. And so, but um, no, there's there's other names out there too. Um, I don't, you know, um, who's the, who's the coach at Auburn? Maybe I just ought to move him over there. You freeze. Yeah, yeah, that will be the day. <laughs> no, that's not happening. But, you know, Brian Harson, the one they fired, he would certainly have a hatred for Auburn. I, think. <laughs> it's, I, will, I will predict right now, you can write this down, it will be at least three coaches before they find their guy. That, that could very well happen. No and doubt about it. Like I said, you look, at, you look at Saban's record coming into that, yes, he'd won a national championship at – LSU and subsequently just left, just left. By the time we air next Thursday, Daryl, you think Alabama's got their new coach named by then? They'll have the first one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it will take at least three. Remember, Alabama is one of the very few schools that actually had a head coach they hired and never coached a game. Mike Price. There you go. Well, you yeah. know, I think they had – if you count the interim, Joe Kynes, I think they had eight coaches between Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. Yeah, yeah, they had a long dry spell there. They had Gene Stallings, which they did win a national title with him. But between the, Bryant in 82 and Saban in 07, it was a long dry spell where Alabama had a lot of lean years. Yeah, And you know what? They ran, they ran Stallings off. They basically ran him off. Yeah, no doubt about it. They, you know, you better be winning big. You win national championships or you're gone at Alabama, and they're not going to give you a whole lot of time to do it. You know, you, you have to remember, after they barely beat USF, 
there were Alabama fans saying Nick Saban has lost it. You know, he's it's games passed him by. It's time to make a move. So Alabama fans are not unique. Every fan base is the same that way. Well, Daryl, we appreciate you calling tonight. And as always, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7.